This is the Yanks Go Yard Podcast with Adam Weinrib and Thomas Carinante. Welcome to a Monday edition of the Yanks Go Yard Podcast. I'm Adam Weinrib alongside Thomas Carinante. The Yankees aren't great. The Red Sox aren't great. But when two not great teams play each other, you probably want to go ahead and win that series when it's on your home turf. And the Yankees didn't. So guess what? We're going to get some grievances off our chest on this Monday podcast after the Yankees lost two out of three to the Boston Red Sox. These aren't the Yankees, and these aren't the Red Sox. Nestor Cortez was half right, but he forgot to mention the part about the Yankees not really showing up and being a part of this rivalry either. Uh, you could say all you want about the lineup being filled with also rands like Willie Calhoun and Billy McKinney and Jake Bowers. Those guys kind of showed up. You know who didn't show up? DJ LeMahieu, Anthony Rizzo, who has one hit. Coming off the non-IL time away from the game after Fernando Tatis Jr. knocked his head off like the parakeet and Dumb and Dumber. Uh, Anthony Volpe didn't show up. Oswaldo Cabrera didn't show up. Jose Trevino didn't show up. A lot of guys didn't show up at all on offense. Uh, John Heyman ran a column this weekend where he reached out to an anonymous scout who asked for his thoughts on the Yankees without judge, and that guy said, bad without judge. Not true. The pitching is great. The pitching is fantastic. The offense is terrible without judge. Bad is not enough. Their best players are the people that you don't want to see the field. Billy, Yeah, more Billy McKinney, more Willie Calhoun, because the veterans who they're paying to be here didn't look like they wanted to be here. So was this the worst case scenario for the weekend? My opinion, no. Um, once they lost the Friday night game, which I thought was their best opportunity to get off on a good foot and give them a chance to win this series. Once they lost the Friday night game, I, I, I didn't see a way this wasn't going to be a sweep in the other direction. And they really gutted it out and fought to win on a Saturday night on, on the John Smoltz broadcast. Thanks to Calhoun. Thanks to a late insurance run. And thanks to great relief pitching things that they've been able to count on for a while. But of course they didn't win a winnable Sunday night game. They didn't win a winnable series. They didn't hit at all. And the Yankees bullpen, which has been fantastic all year and is literally ranked number one in all statistics, uh, Michael King twice this week loses, uh, blows, you know, extremely important games. So, like, I, and I know, Thomas, you're going to want to go off on this. And, and you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, as well as live on YouTube. Mondays and Thursdays, 2 o'clock Eastern time. Uh, very Yankees-ish. It's extremely Yankees-ish that Aaron Judge leaves for this specific period of time when they got to face the Red Sox twice and the Mets and uh, the Rangers coming into town and the Mariners coming into town. Judge is gone for some big series. It allows people to have some real hot takes about this team's preparedness, etc. And then, uh, you know, you get to Michael King in the seventh and eighth inning twice this week against the White Sox and against Boston, and he blows both of them. And if Aaron Judge doesn't run headfirst into a wall, then he's blown three in a row because he had a 5-3 lead in the game that eventually Judge left or didn't leave but blew his toe apart. So King would have uh, it's been great all year. Again, he's been great all year. But that if without a superhuman act by Aaron Judge, he's blown his last three save opportunities. And that's, that's the most Yankees thing of all right there. Someone could feed the stats at us, and they'd be right. But then we'd say, hey, when it really mattered – Sunday night baseball against the Red Sox. Did Glaber Torres take his eyes off some sort of relay throw? Did King walk Reese McGuire after that anyway? Did King put first and second with nobody out, which is a jam you could still get out of if you're Michael King and manage not to do it? Yeah, that's exactly what happened. Thomas Carinante, welcome to the podcast. We'll talk Volpe. We'll talk Torres. We'll talk Peraza. We'll talk Rizzo. I want to talk John Smoltz. 
but welcome to the show. And you have an offer for all the Yankee fans who stuck with us all along. Sad betting read for all the sad Yankee fans out there. Is this I a, hashtag up- SB, a hashtag SBR, a hashtag sad betting read? <laughs> and then I could do an upbeat one for all the haters. Um, yeah. <clears throat> but anyway, folks, we have uh, an offer from Caesar Sportsbook. Uh, you're not going to want to miss this one. New customers get their first bet on Caesars risk-free up to $1,250. All you have to do at sign up is use the code YGYFULL. Head on over to Caesars.com or download the Caesars app. Also, if you sign up using our code YGYFULL, um, you will not only have your first bet insured, but you'll be directly supporting the podcast. Uh, I know you guys are in here listening. You're having a good time. Think about that, um, especially if you're new here. Um, we want we want to have you sticking around, having fun with us, so consider it. Um, if you haven't yet signed up for Caesar Sportsbook, again, just join with our code YGYFULL. Drop that first bet. Uh, won't matter if you want to bet on the Yankees and they blow a game against the Red Sox. Still going to be insured. You'll get your money back, and then you can roll it on something else. Um, this offer is only available for new customers who are 21 and older and physically present in legal gambling states. Please remember to always gamble responsibly. Check the episode description for the full terms of the offer. So what happened here? What's my biggest problem with this series? My biggest problem with this series is that three, well, I would say Bayo's pretty good. Um, yeah. He's, he's, he's getting to the point where he's pretty good, but still. It's Although so- yesterday was one of his worst starts. He wasn't getting swing and miss. Like he struck out three dudes. Like that wasn't Bayo at his best. No. Like, yeah. You, you look at the pitching matchups entering the series and you definitely go, all right, that guy sucks. That guy sucks. Bayo's good. Yeah. Well, Bayo, 9.2 hits per nine innings. That's not the greatest. No. Um, you sh- he, he allowed three hits across seven innings, so the Yankees have to do better than that. Um, Whitlock, you knew that, that he was going to show out because that's just how that's how it works when Yankees are facing former players. Yeah, why, um, why wouldn't that have happened? And Hauk, don't know why we can't hit him, but all these, you know, those two guys have over uh, Hauk and Whitlock, five ERAs. Um, Hauk was surrendering. Hauk was giving up a, a ton of hits this entire season ends up only giving up three across his six. And you got quality starts from all these Red Sox starters. Um, Clark Schmidt, great start. Technically wasn't quality, but um, yeah, in, you're right. In my opinion, you start the series off in the worst manner possible. You have yeah. Garrett Cole versus Garrett Whitlock. And I don't know why Garrett Cole continues to pitch to Rafael Devers. I really don't know why you are one of the best pitchers in the league. You know that this guy has your number. You know you have to face him between 12 and 19 times a year, whatever it's been before the schedule change, and you are still pitching to him three times through the order when your team has a one-run lead. Walk him every time now after the fourth inning. I don't care. It is embarrassing. This is how the narrative continues. This is how the Red Sox always have these, like, stupid little stories against us where they make us look like we're losers, and it would be great – because we would be doing the same thing if one of us had one of their pitchers' numbers or, you know, like Giancarlo Stanton absolutely abusing Nick Pavetta. Like, that's a really fun one. But it is absolutely crazy that we are still having these Garrett Cole, Rafael Devers problems. And the post game is just so embarrassing when they ask him about it. He just has to talk about how Devers is good. And it's like, why don't you just stop throwing him pitches right over the zone? Because that's what he's hitting. Second at bat of the game, ground rule double. You could maybe argue one of those guys could have made that catch. It was a it was a Jake Bowers, uh, Isaiah kind of outfield there. Um, and there was a little bit of a miscommunication, maybe a diving play could have at least stopped the ball. Um, 
but then the home run in the sixth, and you're just throwing your hands in the air. You lose that game to Garrett Whitlock, a tremendously hittable pitcher, and you put yourself in a hole. And then it gives you, you know, it, it gives you to the point where you're reaching Sunday night baseball, where you have no room for error. You have no room for Glaber Torres to, I don't know what he did on that play. You have no room for Michael King to throw a hanger to Kike Hernandez on a one, two count when he has him on the ropes. Kike Hernandez also batting 240 with a 630 OPS this year. It's the home run on what Friday it was. And then mm-hmm. as the game has the game tying run and the game winning hit on Sunday. So it's just, it's absolutely exhausting. And yes, I will complain about Garrett Cole because that is a start where he needs to go in there. He knows the offense is limping. He knows the offense is probably not going to deliver. This team averages three runs a game without Aaron judge, and they're still not fully healthy. They have a lot of guys struggling. And then once again, this is what happened. So I just this is this is where I start to get mad. I've been pretty even keeled throughout the start of the season. And now the the Red Sox come to town and this is what they do. And I think rightfully people can be pissed now. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm mad. I'm not happy. Um, And and there's no I don't I don't even think we typically sugarcoat stuff. No, I think we just preach patience. And and some of these narratives are ridiculous. But guess what? Um, You know, you could deal with the Red Sox coming into your I don't know. It's a different conversation if they just came into town and were on a heater and like blasted people and we lost the first one seven three and we snuck by in the second one and we lost last night eight two then we'd be like wow we caught the red sox at a crazy time what a huge bummer for us no the red sox look equally disheveled and without a couple of huge hits from kike hernandez who like you said is is hitting in the mid 220s with no power this year and has the three biggest moments of this series so that's just great i'm so happy that happened uh rafi devers um yeah, don't don't pitch to the man, but you you uh the the people wearing Red Sox and Yankees uniforms this weekend were not the Red Sox and the New York Yankees. Neither side had familiar faces. Neither side had, you know, thorns in each other. Stanton did nothing. Stanton's like the only thing we got against the Red Sox, I guess, typically. Uh the Sox have Devers, the Sox have Kike, the Sox had Christian Vasquez for a long time who killed us. I looked this up entering Saturday's game just cuz I was uh, just cuz I was pissed at all the Devers owns you stuff. Um, Devers and Judge have almost the exact same numbers, literally almost the exact same, against the Red Sox and Yankees. And they're both down from each other's career averages against other teams. So actually, both the Red Sox and Yankees do a theoretical good job in holding the other one down. Judge hits 245, 370, 478 with 21 homers and 84 games against the Sox. Devers hits 245, 303, 481 with 20 homers and 88 games against the Yankees. Add two more games for Devers after that and add another home run. But Judge gets on base more. They both hit for the exact same average, and they both have 21 career homers against the other team. It's kind of crazy. And let and yet, because it's Devers on Cole, and because the Boston fans are who they are, Boston fans will act like Devers hitting 35 points below his career norms. He hits 280 career and 245 against the Yankees. People will act like hitting 35 points below his career norm against the New York Yankees is owning them, but judge hitting 35 points below his career norm against the Red Sox judge hits 284 career and 245 against Boston is a disappointing reality. Yankee fans will say, I wish judge stepped up against the Red Sox. The Red Sox fans will say Devers owns you. Your pitchers are babies. And guess what? They have the same average and the same number of home runs against each other. 
Uh, and that's, uh, you know, I don't know if you should be proud that Red Sox fans are able to be insufferable online and proud of their player while Yankee fans are expecting more from their superstar. But the fact remains, they put up identical lines against the other team. And somehow the Yankee fans have allowed this to become some cesspool of Devers owns you. And they would get laughed out of the room for saying Judge owns the Red Sox hitting 245 and 35 points below his career. Uh, Stanton does usually own the Red Sox. Donaldson appears to step up against the Red Sox. But I don't think it's reductive to say uh, it's it's kind of weird how we've allowed them to wield that narrative. Maybe don't give Devers opportunities to continue to wield that narrative. Uh, but the, the difference between these two teams, the magic of the rivalry only goes one way. It really does. Uh, when the Red Sox perform, uh, the Red Sox send out performers who have no business performing well, like Garrett Whitlock and Tanner Houck in their five and a half year as they send them to Yankee Stadium. You told me before the series, both of them are going to deal. I'd be like, yeah, of course. If the Yankees were sending two dudes with five and a half ERAs to fucking Fenway Park when they were a one game under 500 team and the Red Sox were 10 games over and fighting for a playoff spot, those guys with five and a half ERAs would not deal at Fenway Park. I'm sorry. They would not. No. And the problem, once again, here is what you mentioned before. We have a bunch of not. No, I don't want to say nobodies because that's what people are kind of saying. Um, We have fringe major leaguers coming to play. And, and they've been our best players. And they've been the best players. And the 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 supposed core of this Yankees team, who you would expect to um step up while their their you know captain and, and friend are out, don't. And that's always what seems to happen. I'm not saying the Red Sox season was on the line heading into this one, but they're last in the division. They entered one game under 500, and they have not been playing well. They, I think, were what was their record? It's like 14 and or 12 and 19 since they were 21 and 14 and telling everybody that, you know, that, that everybody else sucked. So they've endured an awful stretch of baseball. They've been really not good in all facets of the game. The offense has been okay. The starting pitching has been bad. The bullpen has been solid. If that um, not good enough to beat playoff contenders. And I understand the Yankees, are dealing with a lot of injuries and a lot of other issues, but the guys who are here, who are paid to be here simply need to step up. DJ LeMay, you can't be batting 236 with a 680 OPS. Josh Donaldson can't be going one for 12 or one for 11 in this series. John Carlos Stanton can't not play in the finale. Can't not play in the finale on Sunday night baseball. Why is he not playing in the finale? We have a day off today. We have a subway series against the Mets. Like he needs to be, he needs to be playing all the Red Sox games, those two Mets games. And then, you know, maybe take a game off the next weekend. If you don't want him to run, don't let him run. Just make him stand in the batter's box and help pad the rest of the lineup. Well, he can't miss a game at Fenway. Now, after they lost his series at home, he's got to, Oh yeah, that's right. The next series is Fenway. So I don't even know what I'm talking about. No, all three, he's got to take all three of those games. He can't take one of those. Got to play, got to play in all those games. And, um, you know, the, I I love the efforts from all the other, all the other guys. Willie Calhoun was as good as he could possibly be for being Willie Calhoun, Jake Bowers and Billy McKinney in the outfield that were largely tremendous. Um, Isaiah Connor Falefa. Oh, let's. Uh, I want to talk about Friday. Isaiah Connor Falefa was safe on that stolen base attempt because I was watching this at a bar and I yelled when they didn't review it. I don't know if they could not review I couldn't. It, they, there was no volume on, so I didn't know what was going on. I watched the first five innings. He was safe on that stolen base attempt. And I think it was DJ either singled in the next at bat or um, 
or there walk. was a ground out. There was a ground out that would have moved it Donaldson, over. Yeah, and, there was, and then yeah. Rizzo fly out to center. So that would have been a run. I don't know why we're not. I don't know why we're not reviewing. I don't know why we're not reviewing that play at that point in the game when you have an opportunity to score runs when you know you're not going to get any more runs. You very much know you're not going to get any more runs. I know it's only the second inning, and was it the second? It was. The, I think it was the second. I mean that. No, I fucked up. This was the second inning. He got thrown out, but then there was. I must have been thinking of another inning. But either way, he was safe on that throw, and you have to challenge that because then you had a fly ball that could have moved him to third, and then it just changes the calculus of the inning. Having a running in scoring position with zero outs changes the entire calculus of the inning. I understand it's that early in the game, but you can't let Connor Wong now think he's throwing out runners when he's not. You can't have the Red Sox thinking they are you know, stealing a run off the board when they theoretically shouldn't. Um, sorry, I got that mixed up. I, I, was, I was drinking alcohol that night. Um, but – still ridiculous that that change when when you are where you are as the Yankees you're averaging three runs a game without Aaron Judge you know obviously at this point Aaron Boone knew John Carlos Sam was not playing one of the next two games you need to make sure that your players are in the best position to succeed and you, you can't be letting anything anything fall through the cracks like that he was on on even the sped up replay you saw he was safe the foot came in and then the tag came it was a bang bang play but he was he was clearly in there. So that's another fault of the coaching staff. And then something else happened, right? You were talking to me when they, the Volpe being safe on the, on the double yeah, play. I'm pretty confident Volpe was safe on the double play that he tried to beat out in the fifth inning with two guys on in game two. And then Devers, the first batter of the next inning ties the game with a home run. It's a miracle. They won that game again. The, uh, the first game is your best chance at a tone setter, but it meant even more in this particular series because Saturday night, the Yankees never hit Tanner Howe, but they also never win on Fox. They have a two-game winning streak on Fox Saturday baseball, which is great. I'm glad, but that's not a reality. That's that's a rarity. That's not a reality. Sunday night baseball was the best pitcher the Red Sox were going to throw to the mound this series against Clark Schmidt. I anticipated they would lose by a lot, and I asked, hey, can you please just either win that game or lose by a ton, or at the very least, don't have Anthony Volpe be up in the most crucial moment of that game? <laughs> Apparently, I can't get shit. That's on know. Aaron Boone. I don't know how that's possible. Why is Anthony Volpe in the game at that point if you're trying to give him the day off? It's not a day off. He's come, why does he need to be in as a defensive replacement? Was what was I, I, the you knew at that point at the end of the game that if the game was close, you were gonna see Kenley Jansen and Chris Martin. Would you rather not have the lefty remain in the lineup in Osvaldo Cabrera, who I know is not really hitting the ball that well, but Anthony Volpe is definitely not hitting the ball well. And if you wanted to give him a reset, especially before the subway series where Another, yeah. Are these games actually televised? One of them has to be, right? One of them Tuesday, I know, is on TBS. Yeah. Like, yeah, I'm sure they yeah, are. So you have one of those games that are nationally televised. You know, the spotlight's there. Why are you putting him now in a situation where he's going to come up again in another gigantic spot against the team's most hated rival on national TV, on ESPN, on the, the literal entire world is watching Sunday Night Baseball. So Putting Volpe in there, not playing John Carlos Santon on Sunday Night Baseball, I'll never understand it. I, I I don't know. like this, And this is where things – this is where the anger starts to get justified because, yes, on the ropes, injuries, whatever, now you're not reviewing plays that should be reviewed. You're making weird managerial decisions that are clearly putting the team in a worse spot. And then the guys who are here, who are getting paid, who are supposed to make up the core of the the team at this moment while Aaron Judge is out – are not delivering. So that, and look, everyone, there's been a lot of chatter too about how, 
you know, this team is not built to continue winning or to win the division. Um, and you, you're not necessarily wrong, but I don't know. Yeah. On what planet is any team that's starting Willie Calhoun, Isaiah Connor Falefa, Jake Bowers, Billy McKinney, um, you know, Oswaldo Cabrera, that's, that's, of course, that's not a winning team, but that's not what the team is supposed to be. Yeah. When you're down to your second and third reserves. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Then yeah. If the Yankees are trotting out this lineup, this lineup is not good enough to win the, uh, the ALEs. It's not going to happen. But when the Yankees are at full strength, yes, this team is good enough. The, you know, you want to get into the roster construction argument. It is completely frustrating that the Yankees lose one element of their, the, of the piece of the puzzle and then everything falls apart. You lose Anthony Rizzo for a period of time, it's tough. You lose Giancarlo Stanton for a period of time, the middle of the order forgets to hit. You lose Aaron Judge, and nobody remembers how to play baseball in general. Um, so that's that's something is I feel like is a little bit more cosmic because it shouldn't be like that. I don't know. I don't know how or why that happens, and it is a frustrating element of it. But yet this this roster is good enough to win the AL East when things are together and things are right. I don't I don't think that that's really debatable. Yeah, we were just accustomed to too much joy as children, I think. Like, now we're just seeing, like, cosmic. We, we don't understand when things go wrong. It's like, why Why is everything going wrong again? I guess this happens for most teams. But, I mean, why is Carlos Rodon's biggest contribution to this season so far hitting Willie Calhoun with a baseball and maybe taking him out of Sunday Night Baseball? Like, that's the point when you just start to roll your eyes. You go, how much, how much more of this shit? Like, truly, how much more of this? And you know uh, that affected him. Well, Calhoun gets all the love on, on Saturday night. He wins Saturday night's game. Cespedes family barbecue is writing about him. Ken Rosenthal is interviewing him. Finally, like people who are from around the country who have not been watching the Yankees are starting to realize that Willie Calhoun's here. He's not even really a joke anymore. He's one of their more valued contributors. He's one of the few people who is stepping up in the absence of these high profile players or the talent gap that these high profile players are creating by not performing. And he, he gets his flowers for 12 hours and Carlos Rodon drills him on the elbow. He goes, yeah, it felt a lot like when I broke my elbow. Oh, great. That's great. Less than 24 hours. Truly. Really? Because my whole arm was numb. Weird. Oh, I'm glad. Yeah, that's I'm glad that's what's happening. And I can rattle off. This is the third pregame Yankees on Yankees injury I can name from the last five years. Jordan Montgomery got hit in the head with a line drive during BP in 2017. Stanton line went off Tanaka's head. BP in 2020. Willie Calhoun gets drilled by his own pitcher. I should not be able to name you three times the Yankees have injured themselves before a game starts since 2017. I really should not be able to fucking do that. It's egregious. Absolutely egregious. I don't, I don't, I just don't even know. I don't even know. I don't know why I, you know, the patience, I feel like the patience was good. The patience was level. It was. Now we're at a point where what? Now we're going to talk about the the 10th inning last night or the, well, uh, the, the end of the game last favorite, night. Here's my least favorite part of the season, right? The part of the season when Red Sox fans rightly complain about struggling and, oh, we're teetering on the edge, and now we have to go face the Yankees. And then they beat the Yankees two out of three, which they've done pretty routinely since 2004, and then they get to still do the, oh, my God, little old me got a win. How did little old me get a win? I didn't see that coming. And then guess what? Here comes Yankees Mets. The same fucking deal. Sell the team. Steve Cohen is Will Pond. Scherzer and Verlander overpaid trash. Evan Roberts called them. What did he call them earlier? Cooked. Uh, Evan Roberts called them $90 million on two mercenary pieces of crap who've done nothing. (laughs) Very strong words. But guess what? 
here come the Yankees. Here come the Yankees to reset your expectations. And I wonder, oh, Mets fans are going to win these two games and then get a little bit. Oh, my God, little old me, we beat the Yankees again. I thought you guys were big bads now. All offseason long about how you are the new Yankees and Steve Cohen spent $400 million. The Mets win these games, win one of these games, win both of these games. We're going to get all the, oh, my God, the Mets. I can't believe that my little Mets actually did that. And then the Yankees go to Fenway next weekend, too. So we get three straight series of, oh, my gosh, I thought my season was spiraling. And then I got the joy of facing the New York Yankees lineup that doesn't know how to handle business and is undermanned. And Glaber Torres, oh, thank goodness he bailed us out by dropping a relay throw. And thank goodness, oh, what a break for little old me, Michael King hanging a slider. And then all of a sudden, the Red Sox, who've been these behemoths for 20 years and who've owned this rivalry, the Yankees have a bunch of, there are a bunch of meaningless regular seasons where the Yankees went 13 and six against the Red Sox or something like that. Congratulations, because the Red Sox have won every playoff series against you since 2004. And the Red Sox have every meaningful momentum advantage in the world. They have never at at any point since 2009 have the Yankees been ahead in this rivalry. Both teams have either been bad or the Red Sox have been world champions. That that's or, or the Yankees have been good and have won some meaningless regular season games and have crashed back down to earth in the postseason, which I don't think any Red Sox fan would go, hmm, you guys definitely had the upper hand in 2019 because you beat us a bunch of times and knocked us out of the playoffs, but then lost the ALCS. So they, they would just say, ha ha. You lost the ALCS, but they still get to reset to little old B territory every time they beat the Yankees, which is an annual occurrence. And again, they've had the upper hand since literally 2004. They are the aggressors. They are the bullies, but they still act like little little kids who found their fingers in plum pie and look it out and go, oh my God, I got pie. What the heck? What a nice gift for me. And uh, yeah, this is my least favorite 10 days of the season. And it is every time it happens. It happens almost uh, every single year. Yeah. Um, and yeah, last night, last night was just emblematic of everything, right? You have the error in the eighth inning by Glaber, which I, I will never be able to tell you what it was. Um, he had, he just said, it's on me. Aaron Boone defended him and saying, well, we walked the next batter anyway. And it's like, yeah. Would you have walked the next batter anyway, if that would have happened? You know, like he probably walked the next batter because he was afraid that there was a runner in scoring position. That's usually how that works. It, it, you're not going to be feeling a ton of pressure with Reese McGuire at the plate with Kike Hernandez at first base. It's a lot different if he's at second because a, 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 a dribbler gets him over to third and a, a ball that leaks out of the infield gets him home. Then you so you have that play that the time run ends, ends up coming home. Michael King is supposed to be our most reliable reliever has not been. And then no, the ninth three inning. Three blow-ups in a row. Three blow-ups three blow ups in, a row. in a row. And then the ninth inning, I mean, Donaldson, I swinging through 94-mile-an-hour stuff all weekend. Um, not, again, guessing completely wrong. Uh, there, was a, there was a sweeper that Tanner Houck struck him out on, and, like, your jaw was just on the floor that he even considered swinging at it. Um, but Donaldson in that ninth inning against Kenley Jansen was absolutely terrible. Um, yes, wrong they, three times had, yeah. had fastball down the middle. And again, at nine, down the middle. Yankees had a chance to walk this off three times last night. Right. Yeah. And, uh, they were facing a guy just throwing 94 down the middle. Donaldson swings over 94, one and oh, two, the inning starts off kind of sick, right? Uh, they turn the double play in the top of the inning. They they do their business. Um, they like uh, you know they they turn the double play in the top of the inning. They actually go to the bottom of the ninth with some momentum. And Kenley Jansen's first pitch is way off the plate. One and zero. Crowd rising. People starting to applaud. 
Donaldson swings through a center cut fastball 94, swings through a slider down and in that he should have probably taken and recognized or maybe put bat on ball and then swings through just another fastball. And like that, Jansen's off and running. Next two batters go down, make no noise at all, no whimper. And then we go to the ghost runner where uh, the Yankees can't seem to handle the business with the ghost runner ever. Uh, on the road at home, they just they don't know how to do it. Uh, Red Sox only get one there. That should be fine. It, you should be kind of set up. And uh, guess who? Uh, yeah, worst at-bat winner. I mean, I don't know. Billy McKinney has the best at-bat of the inning. Mm-hmm. Uh, almost kind of yanks the double into the right field corner. Almost kind of finds the short porch. Maybe walks off, but doesn't. It's caught. Runner tags. Good job. Jose Trevino swings at three of the worst pitches you'll ever see out of the zone. Um, two of them he's protecting. He's just trying to fl- he's trying to do the Trevino thing and flip one up the middle for a little bloop single, which he's done a lot of times with with runner on third, one out and extras. I've seen him. I've seen him walk off on that pitch. Um, you know, I've seen him do it plenty. But it, when he gets to two strikes, he's still trying to protect. He swings at a pitch that could have hit him. Probably should have hit him. And somehow he manages to like frisbee it foul. It's the worst at bat I've seen him have as a New York Yankee. And then Anthony Volpe comes up and we might as well just transition into the Volpe conversation now. um, Because it, look, it's not like any, it's not like everybody else is blameless and Volpe gets all the blame on his shoulders, but how goddamn frustrating is it that he hits that home run at Dodger stadium a week ago, right? we're all saying, all right, like that's, he's still hitting 190, but he's got the power numbers. He's got the ribby numbers. That's a huge home run. That should probably get him going. It doesn't get him going. He's he's somehow worse this week. He gets shot a redemption in the first game against the Red Sox. First, second, two outs. He comes within five feet of winning that game with a walk-off homer off the pole. Looks almost exactly like the Nate Pearson homer he hit about a month ago in Toronto, but it goes foul, and then he pops out. Ugh, bummer. You go home and you go, man, I really wanted that moment for Volpe. Um, just, but he'll get a shot of redemption at some point, I assume. Two runners on, one out. All you can do in the second game, don't ground into a double play here. He grounds into a double play. I think he was safe, but still terrible at bat. Way worse than the at bat the previous night. And, uh, well, he's not going to get a third chance, is he? Because he's not playing the third game. Yep, there he is. Three shots to be a major factor in this series. Uh, They're lucky they win the middle game, but runner on third, two outs, and he has his worst at bat of the entire series, overmatched by Chris Martin with, 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 uh, at a cheddar uh, upper upper quartile of strike zone cutters. Uh, John Smoltz saying his, his hips are flying open, so he's having trouble with the outside stuff. Eduardo Perez says his hips are flying open, so he's having trouble with the inside stuff. Makes sense, because what I'm seeing is he's having trouble with the everything stuff. But yep. I've been opposed to sending him down forever, and I still am not 100% sure I want to send him down. But I don't know how many of these high-profile failures he can take. He's a stronger man than I am. He's fought his way to the big leagues. I don't know how many of these before it takes a toll on your mental health to the point where you start creating a block. I mean, every Yankee offensive player they've tried to develop since Aaron Judge has failed at the major league level. So clearly whatever they're doing to foster this growth ain't working. Uh, And then the second thing is if, if everybody, if John Smoltz in the broadcast booth, if Eduardo Perez, if everyone on earth knows that his hips are opening up too early, is anybody in the dugout working on fixing that? There's Dylan Lawson just saying he's hitting a professional 200. So we don't care. We don't care about statistics. We don't care about offensive rankings. Obviously they're probably trying to fix this, but for weeks, I've said, well, what does he have to learn at AAA other than just not getting to face major league pitching? Well, that's a tangible thing 
that he has to work on. And if he's working on it at the big league level, he clearly isn't doing very well with balancing, working on that, and continuing to advance at the plate. His approach, he's losing his approach. He is losing his tenacity. Remember earlier in the season when the bases would be loaded and he would shoot those outside fastballs to right? Where is that? He is swinging over the top of everything right now. He has 77 strikeouts, most on the team, 14 ahead of Judge. I don't think there's a lot of tangible benefit to him hitting off minor league pitching, but if he's got this issue where he's opening up and opening up the gate and his swing, he's, he can't get to outside pitches or inside pitches, then he's got to fix that, and it, fixing it at the big league level is not working right now. Whoever's instructing him, it's not taking. So maybe it's time to get him in front of somebody else who's able to fix that issue. Maybe give him a private one-on-one BP session with John Smoltz. Maybe that'll get it done. Maybe. Uh, but yeah, progressively worse since the beginning of the season. April batted 217 with a 670 OPS. May had power, six home runs, 16 RBIs, but 174 with a 592 OPS. And now we're in June, 120 with a 394 OPS. Obviously, that's a much smaller sample size. It's only been nine games or 10 games. Um, but that's not the direction you kind of want to be trending in. I don't know what the issue is, but I think we can probably blame the coaching. Um, this team has underachieved for countless years with the supposed right players. And you do have the argument where you, you sometimes have the wrong players because people are injury prone, but either way, like the 2019 Yankees were kind of a machine. They just, you know, they plugged and played, they figured it out. Um, and then when you manage to have these bigger names and guys who, you know, even the bigger prospects, um, something, something is always just completely wrong. Something is so off where it's like, who is, how can we not pinpoint this? This is so obviously, um, putting everything off kilter. How does this continue to happen? Um, the, uh, what was I just looking at? Oh, he's just as ineffective against left-handers and right-handers. So that's like, that's something where it's like, okay, seems like there is one maybe uniform thing across the board that, that is that that's causing this issue. Um, the mental aspect of it, like I said, if you're benching him last night, you're benching him last night. There is no bringing him in to face one of the better relievers in the league. There is no bringing him in as a defensive replacement for I don't know why you're doing that. Like I, I just don't understand the thought process behind it. And they're going, you know, they're you you're you run the risk of ruining somebody this early in their career. Now, other other side of the argument, demoting him. All right, what does that do? I'm of the thought process at this point that the Yankees have made their bed with Anthony Volpe and they're just going to deal with it. Um, it was kind of a no turning back situation. Um, so that's why you need to figure out what's wrong, who's dealing with him um, and how they need to change that approach because now it's been long enough where you're where we've seen enough moments, right? We've seen enough moments for Volpe where it's like, oh God, he's got it. And then it just disappears and you're just like, yeah. well, where, what happened? Where, not that I need that every time, but like now it doesn't exist anymore. Where, where did it go? Um, demoting him to AAA would, I think, have an adverse effect on the mental aspect of the game. We could talk about Oswald Peraza all you want. Um, he was just as underwhelming at the big league level with the bat. Uh, I don't and He know. didn't play this last weekend. He's and sick. He, yeah. By the way, everybody being like Praza now. Praza wasn't available this weekend. This yeah. is the worst time to call him up. Yeah, and I I follow like the top top prospects across the league. This is what's happening with Volpe. I know he's had a little bit of an accelerated situation, but like 
you know, Michael Harris came up from double A last year. He won rookie of the year. I know he's struggling this year at a couple of injuries, but you have like someone like Corbin Carroll, who's runaway rookie of the year. You have guys like Miguel Vargas and James Outman on the Dodgers who have had their struggles, but like they're not doing this. They're like they're having a, a little bit of a balancing act. You know, Outman was really hot to start the year, cooled off over the last five weeks, but like his start was absolutely considerable. It made, you know, various national headlines. Miguel Vargas doing okay, treading water, making sure that he's not dipping into, you know, the territory that Volpe's dipping into right now. Um, you have Bobby Miller dominating for the Dodgers. And I just named three Dodgers guys, but like, I don't know who else is, you know, rookie rookie centric right now that is is the large is in the larger part of the conversation but i mean you have uh gabriel moreno also on the diamondbacks maybe just the nl west kicks our ass i don't know um i mean jordan walker i think like i think it's just worth it's worth mentioning briefly and i don't even want to send volpe down but i know that with the whatever the yankees are doing isn't working like since judge they have not gotten one of these guys to come up and be picture perfect labor torres had a great year and a half he debuted in much the way you wanted him to. In 2018, he was pretty, uh, you know, right up there with the scouting reports. 2019, he excelled with the juice ball. And since then, he has regressed. His regression took a lot longer than Anthony Volpe's. Um, you see it in there with Volpe. But early in the season, Jordan Walker was fine, not great. Volpe and Walker were probably the two front runners for AL and NL Rookie of the Year. They do send Walker down somewhat unexpectedly. He's got plenty of ABs. He had a 12-game a hit streak, I think, with the longest hit streak start a career as a Cardinal. Like, did plenty of damage early on. But he did get demoted when they realized he wasn't going to get the ABs that he needed. Came back up. Uh, actually, this stat, uh, I need yesterday's numbers, too, because I prepped this uh, before he came up again. And, and I believe he dingered, uh, hit, hit a big hit yesterday, too. Uh, he was eight for he went one for three yesterday with another rib. So add a add a one for three to this. Uh, he's he's nine for thirty one with two homers since coming back up. So I don't think Volpe needs to be sent down and lost forever. I don't even know if he needs a reset. I'm not in his head. I can't tell him and I can't tell the Yankees what's going on mentally for Anthony Volpe. I could just say that demoting Jordan Walker two months ago would have seemed like the same level of embarrassment as demoting Anthony Volpe. And he's come up and hit 300 with authority. And he's done exactly what they expected him to do early in the season after coming back. Well, okay, here, I got a list here. Here are Anthony Volpe's peers at the moment. It's Corbin Carroll. It's Gunnar Henderson. um, It's Spencer Steer. Josh Jung, Casas, Esri Ruiz, Miguel Vargas, Ezekiel Tovar, Will Brennan, uh, Gabriel Arias, Alec Burleson, James Outman, um, Brett Beatty, Francisco Alvarez, Zach Neto. I, nobody, nobody is. I don't. Uh, nobody on that list. I think is even someone like Esri Ruiz, who's hitting. Who's, who has a 638 OPS and a negative 0.5 war. He has 32 stolen bags up until this point. So he's clearly made, you know, an aspect of his game that's completely valuable. And he is um, he is on the uh, the athletics. So, you know, that he also has has that to work against. But all those other names that 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 you just got here, they are very much above average. Um and they're very much succeeding and they're very much building, mostly building off of their early season successes or their stints in the minor leagues from the year prior. And Anthony Volpe started off 
was looking good. was looking like, oh, you know what? There's going to be an adjustment period. And now it's kind of just going in the complete opposite direction. Um, once again, you're probably right. Yankee player development thing, Yankee coaching thing. But it's got to be fixed because you have various rookies across the league that are now, you know, seemingly lapping him. Um, and there's no solution. Corbin Carroll has a fucking 4.3 war. Gunner Henderson. back to last year. Yeah, it was just like 30 game sample last year. Yeah. Um, I mean, there there was a time when Volpe had like a 90 WRC plus. Yeah. There was a time when Volpe was totally competent. Um, now that time has passed. Now, Gunnar Henderson had a 99 WRC plus at the end of May, below at a tick below average. He's now all the way up to 125 because in the last 12 days, he's been that on fire. He's now well above average for a major league player. But there was a time this year when you say Gunnar Henderson is struggling to the point that Volpe. You know, they were both around, you know, they were, they were both below average. They were both not living up to the expectations that were set for them. And Henderson has taken a straight jet up to the moon and Volpe has nosedived since then. Volpe's at 68, a 68 WRC plus. If you were having the conversation of how bad does he have to be for them to consider sending him down, that's kind of how bad he has to be for you to consider sending him down. Um Yeah, it's really, it's really bleak, dude. And like Casas was the other guy who like, None of those numbers were where they had to be, but look at where he is now. Like, you know, not excellent, barely over a 700 OPS and hitting in the two twenties and certainly didn't do that much damage against the Yankees this weekend. But Casas was sort of the poster boy for top prospects struggling at the big league level. His metrics started even out and he's having a season that you wouldn't be proud of, but he's putting Volpe in the rear view mirror as well. Volpe is the least desirable of these top prospects right now. And and all it is is upsetting. It's just upsetting. Yeah. You just you want to win. You want a win. And you wanted that win to be the hometown kid who you manicured all through the minor league system and got ready it got his feet wet at AAA last year and there was just he even started to heat up a couple weeks ago and and the people who've watched him his whole career were like here this is the time of year when Volpe really starts to excel. Like you've been waiting for it. This is it. He was up to 230 at a certain point. He's he's been one of the worst regular players, if not the worst in Major League Baseball for the last three weeks or so. And, and I don't know what the solution is, but I'm not going to adamantly say you cannot send him down at this point because I didn't want too much damage to be done, but a lot of damage was done on the field this week, especially when you have guys like Smoltz from the booth calling out his issues. Like that is clowning enough for me to say, all right, it is time to hit the reset button here. I still think that nobody who watches him and nobody who saw what he did earlier in the season thinks he doesn't have what it takes to be a valuable piece at the big league level. But I don't know. I think broadcasters being able to spot and identify your flaws as you get overmatched again by Tanner Houck and Brian Bayo is kind of the lowest of the low. Yeah. One for 14 since the home run at Dodger Stadium. One stolen base. Against bad again again the problem was is that this was against bad pitching. You face, um, you face White Lance Sox starters. You face Lance Lynn in one of the no. Who was the second White Sox starter? He sat the first White Sox game in the doubleheader. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was he? Well, he faced Giolito in the first game of the series. Yeah. Then he faced Clevenger in the second yeah. game of the doubleheader. So you face and- Clevenger. You face Whitlock, and you face um, Hauk, and you get nothing out of that. Nothing. 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 One hit, one one single. Nothing. I mean, look. Those are AAA pitchers. There, there's no way to get around it. One one of the worst regular players in Major League Baseball. So 
you're going to have to have a conversation with him. Is, is this helping? Do you, and he may not give you an honest answer because he wants to compete at the big league level and he's had his fair share of moments and he's had his walk-offs and there have been occasional yeah. times when he's clutched up and, and that home run against, at Dodger Stadium and the home run against Nate Pearson when he turned around 101 on the inner half of the plate and lined it off the foul pole. It's obvious the talent is there, but something is stopping him right now. And, and the Yankees have not successfully developed anybody since first half of 2019 Glaber Torres. So it's it's been a really long time. Dominguez looks really promising. Volpe does too. So does Peraza. You're going to have to hit on these guys. Otherwise, the next era looks pretty depressing. Um, and if you're depressed <laughs> or excited, why not sign up for Caesars? Caesar Sportsbook. Uh, we got a code for you. It's YGY full. It's been scrolling at the bottom of the screen this whole time. New customers can get their first bet on Caesars up to $1,250, but you better be a new customer and you'd better be in a legally gambling state. All you have to do though is use our code YGY full at sign up. YGY F U L L. As long as you're in a legal gambling state, you will not only have your first bet insured, but you will also be directly supporting the podcast. If you haven't signed up for Caesar Sportsbook, join us with our code YGYFULL and drop your first bet. This offer is only available for new customers who are 21 plus and physically present in legal gambling states. Please remember to always gamble responsibly. Check the episode description for full terms of the offer. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. These aren't the conversations I want to have. I don't okay. want to be talking about should we demote Anthony Volpe. I don't want to be talking about Glaber Torres and Anthony Rizzo. Oh, we talk about Glaber Torres and Anthony Rizzo just a little bit. Rizzo well, we have to the talk IL. about first, <laughs> just quickly, based on the coaching thing we were talking about with Volpe. Is Aaron Hicks's success? It's a small sample. It's a small sample size, guys. But he said immediately when he got in there, they ad- they adjusted something with his stance, and it's now resulted in him doing whatever he's doing over there. He said the Orioles looked at him for like two seconds and were like, we actually have something for you. He was like, oh, and then they figured it out. And he, he's hitting oh, uh, 370. He's, he's hitting 350 with a 470 OBP. I think it's probably worth reading this quote just yeah. so that everybody knows it's it's not yeah, fake. We'll this, this is Aaron Hicks talking about the Orioles hitting coaches. Quote, a lot of the technique that I use in my swing is in 2018 is what they're trying to implement or try to get me to get back to, Hicks said. Borg Schultz the hitting person who spoke to him described it as wanting Hicks to be in more of an athletic position in his initial stance. And when his stride foot lands, Hicks said to be more athletic, he wants to stand taller by focusing on his posture more than his swing. Hicks feels his hands will have more space to work through the swing so far. So good. He's 10 for 29 with a 472 OBP and a 1058 OPS. And he's playing a great center field. I'm not ready to declare Hicks back. 
I don't know if Aaron Hicks is going to have a long-term impact. I know the Yankees are paying the Orioles hitting coaches to figure out Aaron Hicks in two seconds. And he's not going to hit 350 all year. 240, 250 with solid defense will be fine. 750 to 800 OPS. Pretty good. He can come down from here and still be a valuable contributor. And haha, Yankees finally DFA Aaron Hicks. Judge goes down. Bader goes down. Haha. Greg it takes Allen one. It takes one. Greg Allen goes down. It takes one video session to figure out a mistake he's been making with the Yankees for three years. Haha. Like he's been lethargic with the Yankees. There's no yes. way that he was trying as hard as he could have in the outfield and in every at bat with the Yankees. There's no way. But maybe some of that is because the hitting coaches were going. We don't know. <laughs> I have no clue. And the Orioles were like, "Hey, I watched approximately one video of you, and I already actually have something. If you want to know, I actually figured this out pretty quick." It's like uh, when someone just can't figure out a survivor puzzle at all in Survivor at Reward Challenge, and they're just like hitting one of the foam pieces against the board forever. They're like, "I don't get it. It's not making the puzzle's not making itself." And then someone else is like, and they win. And then the person is like, man, I am just not good at puzzles. The Yankees are the first boot <laughs> in Survivor. The guys who are like, the guys who drop the rice on the floor. <laughs> like, accidentally tell their best ally, like, I think I'm going to vote for you. And they're like, did you say my name? And they're like, oh, no, I couldn't be worse at this. It does seem like the Yankees coaching staff just like Aaron Hicks deserves some blame. But if yeah. the Orioles were able to, to watch one video of Aaron Hicks and we're like, hey, we got uh, this and then there's this and then also – I guess it'll make you a more confident fielder too. And the Yankees were like, have you tried steroids? Like <laughs> what are they, what, what have they been doing in New York ever hitting strikes hard? Have you tried hitting strikes hard? No, hit strikes hard. Can't even do that. Can't even hit the strikes hard. Don't, don't do that. Kenley Jansen gave them some strikes to hit hard. A lot of strikes. Um, I saw some strikes that could have gotten hit hard yesterday. They didn't. Yeah. A lot. Uh, so now, yeah. Rizzo and Glaber. All right. I guess. I mean, I just feel like uh, Anthony Rizzo is escaping a lot of criticism. He, he has literally one hit, literally one hit since Fernando Tatis Jr. This month? Neck loose. Yeah. One for 36, 34. Yeah, I think it's 30. It was 34 one last for 34 time. 34 since the Dodger series. I know he got unlucky in that White Sox series. He had a couple of balls on the screws and just found – it, they found defenders, but I don't know, man. This is not again one of those things where it's like judge is down. You had a you know you had a couple of games to get back on track with judge in the lineup when you're in LA, and then you followed up with five games of just he didn't play on Saturday. I guess Aaron Boone thought that would give him a reset. Uh, seemingly nobody gets a reset when when they need it. Goes 0 for 7 in this series with a strikeout, one walk. The Yankees the resets walk. don't seem to help. I, I, it's Yankees, an interesting theory, but they don't do much. The Yankees walk seven times in this Red Sox series. They have guys who literally you are furious because of how often they look for walks. Donaldson, Rizzo, DJ LeMayhew. Every time those guys are more, you know, most of the time you would you would feel in in situations where Things are not right. They are looking for a walk to to break, you know, the slump or just to get on base, get something going. Can't even walk. So I don't I don't know. He has three. He's gotten on base one, two, three, four times this month. Three of those were walks has struck out seven times. I don't I don't know. Maybe the neck injury is a thing. Maybe it's not. But this can't happen from 
one of the guys who's he's supposed to be the co-captain. That's like that's like the vibe here. One of the most reliant guys in the dugout clubhouse. Yeah, probably what the second or third best all-around player on the team when you factor in defense and offense. Mm-hmm. Talk Judge, Bader, mm-hmm. Rizzo. You know, at this point, Glaber would be on that list if he decided to not forget how to play defense twice a week. But so that's the thing. It, like yeah. you. You can't move on from him right now. No. He's one of your best offensive players. He is. But when his time comes to end his career in the Bronx, I will go, thank you very much. Mm -hmm. Take care. Go on ahead. We will see you when we see you. Because every time there is a big home run or an important hit, which it's been pretty good offensively. There are not that many second basemen in baseball this year who do. He's not Luis Arise. No. Who's who we wanted, but pretty good offensively. Some sparks, some moments. And then the next day, there's something like that defensive lapse where he just sort of uh, doesn't catch a relay throw. I'm not even 100% sure what that was. But it's it's once or twice a week at this point when you just go, I don't know what that was. When Eloy Jimenez hurt himself running the first on a double play ball in the ninth, and instead he airmailed it. 15 feet over Anthony Rizzo's head and Jimenez who wasn't even trying to make it to first safely suddenly was allowed at second because the ball was thrown in the stands. The only thing you can say is I, I don't know what that was. And it was himself out. There are some people on Twitter who are having these weird conversations where they're trying to pin the blame on one person, but not on others and say, no one's talking about this guy. Everyone's talking about this guy. I don't know what you're reading. I'm reading blame for everybody. And I think everybody deserves blame. I'm reading blame for people are saying no one's criticizing DJ LeMahieu. Yes, they are. He's an 88 OPS plus and is hitting in the two thirties. Everybody I'm reading is criticizing DJ LeMahieu. Oh, but you can't criticize Clay Torres. You can. Yes. The defense is crazy sometimes, and you know it's in. You know the power is in there. You know the defense is in there. He makes some great plays coming in on grounders, and then he makes just absolute boneheaded looking the other way defensive lapses. You can criticize him, and people are doing it. You can't criticize Volpe. Yes, you can. I don't want what's happening to Volpe to be happening, but it is. So you have to criticize it. There are growing pains, and there's being one of the worst regulars in Major League Baseball. Um, I, I didn't like look when Aaron Hicks was here. Criticize people. Oh, don't criticize Aaron Hicks. Not his fault. It is his fault. It, it, some of it was his fault. Like it, it when these guys don't perform. Don't criticize Anthony Rizzo. I will though. I'm going to. Don't criticize Garrett Cole. Kind of gonna though. I, I I don't really want to, but I will. Don't criticize Luis Severino is coming next because I guarantee I'm going to criticize him tomorrow night. Oh yeah. Max Scherzer in the Mets. No question. Mets offense rediscovers itself against Luis Severino. That'll be Alvarez fun. has 12 home runs in like 30 games this year. He's going deep tomorrow. Yeah, 100. percent Hundred percent. It's funny the Mets are Mets fans are freaking out because like Buck Showalter is not playing Alvarez consistently. He's kind of jerking around Beatty, or if it's not Buck Showalter, yeah, it's front office. Whatever the hell's going on over there, and uh, we have the opposite situation where we're playing, you know, Volpe, I guess, too much, and he's not progressing. And you're playing Oswaldo Cabrera a ton, and he's not really progressing. Um, But yeah. But we'll know that the Mets rookies will probably have their way tomorrow and or starting starting tomorrow at least, and then we'll be in the same situation unless somebody wants to step up. Anybody can do it. Anybody can step up. I know 
anybody of the group of people we were talking about. You know, we gave our the credit goes to Calhoun, the credit goes to McKinney, the credit goes to Bowers. Those guys should not be performing the manner in which they are. They're making um, leaping catches at the wall. McKinney insane. and Bowers are making insane. defensive web gems. And then the Yankees hitters are going, thank you so much. For, I'm not going to do anything with that, but I do appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. Um, I wanted to have some fun. I wanted to laugh at John Smoltz today, but now like, I don't even really want to anymore because yesterday's extremely dull loss sort of colored my entire perception of this. John Smoltz is doing three Yankee games in a row, though. He's got Yankees-Dodgers, Yankees win. Yankees Red Sox, Yankees win, then Yankees Red Sox again next weekend. This is a this is nightmare fuel for him, literal nightmare fuel. Glaber Torres hits a home run in that Saturday game that would have got Statcast said twenty four of thirty ballparks. Would it Dong said twenty six of thirty ballparks? Not sure to believe, but either way, a massive majority. And Smoltz goes, you know, pitching here is a lot like pitching at Coors Field. No, it's not. Actually, the metrics show it's tough to hit here. But say whatever you want to say, I guess. The game ends, right? Uh, runner on first, two outs, 3-2 count to Justin Turner. John Sterling gets hit with a baseball, foul ball, full count. If Turner gets on, Devers comes up as the winning run. He could homer and make it 4-3 in an instant, drama-filled. Clay Holmes makes the pitch, it bears in on Turner's hands, he grounds the third, Donaldson on the first, in time, Yankees get the win. Joe Davis calls it right. I don't even remember what he said. He's like, Calhoun! And they step up, and the Yankees get a big win against the Red Sox. Silence, silence, silence. John Smoltz goes, look, you're going to have to win some games that look like this without Aaron Judge. (laughs) Sorry, buddy. I mean, you are. It's true. You are going to have to win some games that look like this without Aaron Judge. But you know what? The impartial broadcast, you can go, man, Yankees are going to have to win some different-looking games without Aaron Judge. And today, the guys who needed to step up, stepped up. What doesn't work is, uh, I mean, yeah, you knew that was going to (laughs) happen. I wonder if it's in his contract that he has to call X amount of Yankee games, and then they're like, just do what you do, man. You have these guys talking about it on the podcast, people writing articles about how miserable you are. Just This is part of the moneymaker. This is how we keep the engine rolling. Fox executives calling him in and they're like, John, you got the juice, man. You got to be as bored and angry as possible for three full hours of Yankees baseball. And uh, you can do whatever you want. You can go to Hall of Fame weekend. You can golf. uh, But you are going to have to do Yankees, Dodgers, Yankees, Red Sox, Yankees, Red Sox three in a row. And I know one of them's at Fenway. So that'll be tough for you, even though it's an easier park to hit in the Yankee Stadium. For some reason, you won't be allowed to talk about that. So I know that'll be tough for you. You'll act like Yankee Stadium is a tougher uh, pitcher's park than Fenway, which is objectively not true. But hey, we'll throw in a bonus. You get an Aaron Judge injury. So he's not even playing. So you get to talk about how injury prone Aaron Judge is, even though he's only suffered from a couple of freak injuries in three full years. But you get to resurface conversations from 2018. Is that, is that a good enough trade off? Does that make you feel good? Yeah, I got fine with me. Um, a lot of people talk about how announcers hate their team. It's never true. John Toltz hates the Yankees. The Yankees ruined his life. They took two World Series from him. He won one in 95. He never beat us. And the Yankees are the team of the decade of the 90s, and his Braves are second place, and he hates that. Did you see Smoltz on the Braves broadcast the other day? Braves Mets calling the walk-off home run. Jubilant. Very exciting. Pretty good call from Smoltz. Smoltz on the Yankees is like asking him to narrate a screening of 
the Nuremberg trials. <laughs> he's just like, he is so depressed the entire time. And he, he can't even figure out what he's supposed to be doing to make the broadcast yeah. more interesting. He's just like, man, I would have hated pitching here. I would have hated having to come to New York. Smells bad. Joe Davis is like the one, two. Like, there is just nothing. There is the juxtaposition is is hilarious because Joe Davis is very high energy, well spoken guy. And then you just have Smoltz like kind of fumbling over his words, figuring out how he's going to say something negative or just untrue. Um, Like I said, that's part of the deal. That's that's how they get. They get the people. They get the people who know they have to tune in to watch the Yankees. They're like, "Are we gonna have one guy who's hating on this fucking team that I don't like?" And they're like, "Yes, we are. We're gonna have one objective guy who's bringing the energy, and then we have one guy who hates the Yankees, and you're gonna love it." I never thought anything could be worse than the Sunday night Fenway broadcast of Kurt Schilling, Nomar Garcia Parra, and Dan Schulman. But Smoltz is worse. He really is. <sighs> We're wrapping on Smoltz. Maybe we get Alex Cora and Boone to call a game uh, in the booth next year after they're both fired. Alex Cora should be fired. Probably won't be, though. <laughs> uh, that's it. We enjoyed talking about this extremely bleak. It's just a bleak series. Um, but again, not a worst-case scenario. They got out of there with one. Might not be so lucky next weekend. Got to go yeah. to the Red Sox score seven runs in a three-game series, and they win two of them. Uh, Red Sox probably going to score seven runs in one game at Fenway next weekend because it's Fenway. Uh, you guys going to bring the bats for that one or no? You guys going to go down snoozeworthy or there isn't really a starter on the Red Sox who you look at and go, oh, we're not winning that game. I mean, Bayo's tough, but there's not a single starting pitcher who you're like, well, we're out. There's not really a single starting pitcher on the Yankees who counts you out of any of these games before they start, but they just can't hit. You're going to have to bring the lumber next weekend. Yeah, you just got to try to hold serve without judge and it's going to be really tough to not get swept next weekend it just is you got to win one of those games at fenway i'm sure we'll preview more in depth on thursday but you just you just got to win one you had to win one this weekend too but you had three right in your grasp and you dropped two of the tomatoes and you only got one i'll and, tell you uh, this was very boring if they lose to james paxton on sunday night baseball that mm-hmm. will be look a rightful angry podcast today sky's not falling allowed to get mad in between i think we know that team's probably still on the right track the pitching's very good the hitting just needs to wake up and figure life out and not feel like um they don't know what the sport is after they lost you know one of their one of the their undisputed best player but you got hauk bayo and paxton it's got to be two even though you have Herman and schmidt going again at family that's oh god yeah, I mean, if you're going to have any chance, you got to win that first one, which, yep. of course, they did not this time. Not even like that. They came close five feet away. Anthony Volpe's ball goes five feet to the right. We're having an extremely different conversation today. We're talking about how the Yankees well, not extremely different. We're talking about how the Yankees won the most boring series of all time yeah. rather than lost it. No one's like that was a big step forward. They're just like what an exciting moment in the opener. Saturday and Sunday were very boring and they came out on the right side of history. But now we're talking about how they lost it because we, we have to because we don't get those breaks because Anthony Volpe's home run soared five feet to the left. Yeah. Uh, but we will see you on Thursday, 2 o'clock Eastern. We will not see you next Monday. We'll see you Tuesday because it's a holiday, but we'll still get you some shows next week. Uh, we, we're not going to run and hide from the Boston Red Sox. And we know that uh, the Yankees don't play on Monday anyway, ever. So we won't be missing an extra game appearing on Tuesday rather than Monday. Uh, you find us online on all podcast platforms, Apple, Google, Spotify, 
uh, all the good ones wherever you use, wherever you get your podcast. Yankee fans, thanks for sticking with us today. Uh, Yankee haters, uh, Red Sox fans, you really want a victory lap this series? Like you feel good, sure. you want it, but like, was that awesome for you? Did you love? Did you love that? Uh, you you can thank us for saving your season again, which we did. I, I think any other team would have spiraled the Red Sox further out of control this weekend, but they got the Yankees. Congratulations to them. They get the Colorado Rockies at Fenway Monday through Wednesday. Yippee Kaye! What a what a great schedule that is. Um, and hopefully the Yankees have a good chance to take one or two next week in a Fenway Park. Maybe the ballpark will help this bad Yankees offense, or maybe the Yankees will just bring their dull offense from ballpark to ballpark on a national tour of suckage. Uh, until next time, I'm Adam Weinberg. You can find me on Twitter right here at Adam Weinberg. Didn't have a good weekend. Tell you that much right now. Thomas Carinante, where can the people find you? I'm at Tommy's underscore takes. We are both at the official Yanks Go Yard Twitter account at Yanks Go Yard FS. Uh, please, guys, head on over to YanksGoYard.com. We got all the content there for you, all the angry stuff that you want to read. I know you want to read it because I know you're talking about it. Um, we'll have some more positive stuff, hopefully. Um, we have an off day today so we can breathe, mm-hmm. let it all out, go, go hit a punching bag or something. And you have the Mets for two nights. Be recapping that series on Thursday, previewing a little bit of the Sox as well. Um, and yeah, just relax for the next couple of days. Try and not let this downer of a series again, three, two, three, one, three, two. Couldn't have asked for a more boring series. Even <laughs> if you won it, you're probably not feeling that great, but you end up losing it. Now you got to deal with the repercussions. You lose to both socks, losing to both socks, two series in a row. Don't really like the vibes of that. So um, we'll talk to you again on Thursday. Enjoy the rest of your week and we'll see you then. Two teams with better offenses than the Yankees coming in and being better on offense than the Yankees. That's what you just saw. Got to get it turned around. The real guys who get paid the real money to do real offensive things with the baseball have to start doing them. And we'll see you on Thursday.